Travels with John Smith, Chapter 55, Summer, Year 8, Bangkok, Beijing, and Warsaw. We are sitting in an empty apartment. We sent our stuff to Canada two months ago and slowly got rid of everything else, except the clothes that fit into one medium-sized suitcase and a carry-on bag each. We watched the grade 12 students throw their hats into the air, took pictures with them, hugged the people we worked with, and exchanged WeChat, China Instagram, addresses. The school is emptying. The students are streaming out the side and front doors, laden with suitcases and belongings from their dorms. Some of the teachers have already left in taxis, but the majority will leave mostly for the countries they come from, where their families and other lives are in the morning. The school usually provides a bus to the airport for those who do not want to take a taxi on their own. We booked our trip back to Canada going through Europe, but we aren't leaving for a week. John surprises me with tickets to Bangkok one last time. We will leave day after tomorrow and come back in time to do some last-minute cleaning before we leave. We find out another teacher named Janine is leaving China later as well, so we ask her if she wants to come with us to Bangkok since she has never been there and we can show her around. We have worked with her for for years, and she's become a friend over that time. She's a very giving person who's always helping others and is very popular with the students. She is staying a little longer to do some volunteer work in a school outside of Wuhan, so we're happy she says yes. Since this is a spontaneous decision, she needs to book a ticket, so says she will meet us there. We are sitting under a tin roof on an outdoor patio, waiting for the house band to come on stage. The rain is coming down so hard, it sounds like a waterfall. The restaurant is one we've been to before, on the same street as the hotel we always stay in. We arrived about 3 a.m. this morning from Wuhan, had a couple hours sleep, and spent the day by the pool. We order some of our favorite Thai dishes, chicken wrapped in pandan leaves, green mango salad, lemongrass chicken on sticks, etc. One by one, the tables fill up, even though the rain is not showing any sign of slowing. There are parts of the outdoor terrace where the water is rising so fast it looks like it might start leaking into the kitchen. We watch as the kitchen staff carry big logs to block the doorways for temporary relief. Our food arrives, complete with beautifully carved vegetables as decoration on the side of the plates, and is delicious. The band starts to arrive, a drummer, bass, and guitar players, and two vocalists. They start to play, and I know a lot of their songs. They're pretty good, tight musicians, and the singers are full of energy with great stage presence. 
They flirt with the audience in between songs and start asking if anyone wants to come up and sing a song. The singer standing closest to us zeroes in on John and starts to tease him, almost goading him to come up and sing a song. I'm guessing this is a routine and is intended to playfully embarrass people. John looks over at me and says, How about her? She can sing something. Her attention switches to me and she says, Come on, waving me up to the stage. I say, Okay, and she looks surprised. She shows me the set list. I see a few songs I know pretty well and choose one. The band starts to play, and as soon as I start to sing, everyone in the place stops and listens. Everyone that is talking behind the bar, or the people at the tables, or the ones standing off to the side, look in my direction. I'm having a lot of fun now, and am feeling comfortable being up here, so now I really start belting it out. The crowd cheers when I finish, and the singer who invited me up here looks delighted. She says, that was fantastic. I didn't know you were a pro. Will you do another one? I say, okay, and sing another one. She asks me to do another again, and now I've done about five songs, and she asks me again. I decide to take a break and sit a few out since I don't want to take over their gig but also I'm not being paid to perform. In between each song they play, she asks again, and I say no, until they do a Tracy Chapman song, I know. So I get up and do a duo with her, and then another song I know with the other singer. I'm having lots of fun, but we're starting to feel the lack of sleep, so it's time to leave. We are eating coconut ice cream from a coconut shell in front of a stall in my favorite place in Bangkok, the Chatuchak Weekend Market. Silver and gold-seated Buddha statues of varying sizes are crowded into the stall. Beside that, there's a stall with metal sheets and posters of popular culture. I'm waiting for a text with directions from my favorite clothing stall because they have moved to a new location. This market is the biggest market in Thailand and meant to be the most diverse in the world. There are more than 200,000 visitors here every weekend. It's divided into 27 sections with over 15,000 stalls and over 12,000 vendors, so finding it on my own will be very difficult. I'm chatting with the lady who owns my favorite stall, and there is a pile of outfits beside me that I would like to buy. This is what I do when I come here. I go through the closets and folded fabric and try everything on, then do a little wheeling and dealing until we get down to the ones I really love for a price that is good for both of us. This will be the last time I come here, possibly forever. We are eating breakfast, and Janine comes to join us. The cook always remembers us, and even how we liked our eggs cooked. We tell her this might be the last time we see her, and say our goodbyes. 
after a wonderful, healthy breakfast of poached eggs, roasted vegetables, and fresh tropical fruit. We take a subway to the river, then a long boat down the tumultuous, churned-up brown waters of the Chao Praia River. We are taking Janine to Wat Pho to see the reclining Buddha, and we pass other longboats, bigger tourist boats, hotels, and houses on stilts on our way. We get out of the boat and walk to the temple to find it has closed for the day. We walk around the area and find out there's another big Buddha we can go see, called Wat Indra Viharn, the 32-meter-tall standing Buddha that weighs five and a half tons, and it's only a tuk-tuk ride away. The guy who tells us all this is selling beautiful hand-painted umbrellas made from bamboo and a tough cardboard-like paper. I'm not sure it's a good idea to buy one, as we'll have to drag it through Europe with us, but John says he'll carry it. We make our way to the tall Buddha, take lots of pictures, and now we are sitting in front of a delightful Thai dinner of green curry, giant garlic prawns, morning glory, and pad thai. Tomorrow morning we will take a flight back to Wuhan, then a couple days later we'll take a fast train to Beijing on our long way home through Europe. It has been a quick trip, but always worth it. We are strolling down the walking street where we found the famous Beijing Duck restaurant when we were here with Pat and Lyle. I send a text to Miser to ask if he wants to meet up for a Beijing Duck lunch. He's a former student, musician, and former member of No Pop, which I spoke of before. After living in the U.S. for a few years, he's now living and working as a music producer in Beijing. We told him we were coming to Beijing on our way back to Canada and planned to meet up. My phone rings and it's Miser. He tells me the Beijing Duck restaurant I am in front of is too expensive and is for tourists. He will meet us and take us to a really good one that is popular with Chinese people in the know. The restaurant Miser takes us to is on a busy food street with lots of restaurants and is packed with locals. It is lower key and simple, but beautifully presented, and the Beijing duck is delicious. He orders for us, and some of the specialty dishes are interesting, like the dish with three spiral mounds of mashed potato with a kind of fruit jam and sprigs of mint on top. We are walking through what I call real Beijing, deeper into a maze of tall walls made from grey bricks on our way to Miser's grandmother's flat, which is inside a traditional hutong. I have mentioned them before. They are traditional homes that are built with a courtyard in the middle. We come to a large red door and pass through it to a large courtyard with several apartments looking onto it. There is a goldfish pond on one side, a rabbit cage on another, two turtles in a large 
clay flower pot, leafy trees and potted plants in the middle with small tables and chairs and other paraphernalia under a blue tarp. We walk past some children and an older guy, all smiling and welcoming. Clearly this is like a micro-community. His grandmother's apartment is a lovely flat on two floors, small but very nice. He makes us some Chinese tea and we listen to some of the music he has been creating and producing. We talk about another guy who was one of the no-pop music guys who's now a famous singer in China named Barry He. A few months ago, he sent me some of the music he was putting out in English and asked me to check it over to see if the English was correct. They are still working together on various projects, and Miser has made lots of contacts both in America and here in China. It's so good to see how he has grown into such a lovely young man. His music is very cool, quite funky, and very professional. We say our goodbyes, and John and I make our way back to the walking street. Miser told us about a soup noodle place where all the hip people eat, so we will have dinner there. We are greeted by blue dragon heads with water pouring from their mouths into tall, elegant blue vases at the bottom of the stairs, and in the main room, thick, blonde wooden tables and benches with people eating soups with different bases and noodles and whatever meats, vegetables, and fresh herbs they want inside. Like a healthy soup version of a Subway sandwich, you can choose whatever combination you want, and they'll make it for you. So good. We have just arrived in Poland at the Warsaw Airport. We have a whole day here, so we have decided to go into town and check it out. We ask some people who work in the airport about the best way to get into the center, and they say there is a bus that leaves from the airport, and we can pay with our credit cards to use it. We are standing at the bus stop, ready to catch the bus and see a machine we can use to get the tickets. We are trying to figure out how to use it when the long bend-in-the-middle bus pulls up. We get in with other people onto the back of the bus and look for a place to buy the ticket. There are card machines to scan transport cards or tickets, but nothing to use a credit card with. We sit down thinking maybe somebody will come with a handheld machine, but no one comes. The bus is quite full of people coming from the airport, and it isn't clear whether everyone on here has paid or not, but I feel the shame of us being once again in the position of having not paid for transportation. We are, there are people getting off the bus every time it stops, and I'm praying no one comes on to call us out each time. John is calm and does not look worried at all. Not sure where to get off, we overhear someone saying they are getting off in the center. We follow them and jump out onto a lovely street that has a mixture of European architecture representing every historical period in history. 
In front of us is a beautiful high-rise building with what looks like a rounded concert hall with pillars in front and a clock tower at the top of it. We both want to see if it's possible to get to the top of it, but decide we are hungry right now. There's a giant guitar in front of us, and we decide to check out the Hard Rock Cafe here in Warsaw. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but John has a thing about going to everyone in every city we visit that has one. We sit at a window in the cafe, people watching, talking to our server about rock and roll and life in Poland. We walk past a row of some of the small square yellow taxis that are scattered around the center of the city. We get into a small, crowded, older elevator and travel to the top of what is the tallest building in Poland. We are in the Palace of Culture and Science. At the top, we are able to look out on different views of Warsaw. On one side, there is a large square with a fountain in the middle of it and the rooftops of the older part of the city beyond that. On another side, there are high-rises. Inside this building, there are cinemas, theaters, libraries, etc. We have to head back to the airport, but we would love to come back to this pretty city someday for longer than a day. We get to the bus stop where we need to catch the bus to go back to the airport. There are lots of people waiting for different buses, and we watch some of them using the machine there to buy tickets, so we give it a try. Four or five times. The lineup behind us starts to grow, so we give up while those people buy tickets, and then we try again a few times, but for some reason it will not accept our credit card. We paid for our lunch with it, There's no reason for it not to work. We did not even think about changing money for Warsaw as coming into the city was a last-minute decision, so we have no cash we can use. The bus arrives and we get onto the bus from the back, carried by the crowd of people around us. I see them tapping the machine as they enter and again feel so embarrassed that the hard-working people of this city are paying for their ride and we are freeloading our ride. I avoid eye contact and we make it back to the airport. Next stop, Berlin. (music) 